Hello and welcome to Talking Strength episode 6. Um, today I got to sit down with uh, my good friend Nevin, or as I have him saved in my phone as Nevin French, because as you will hear he has a very distinct French accent. Um, I had the privilege of meeting Nevin end of last year um, through Jordan. Um, we had a training session together and uh, ever since then we kind of just linked up and we, we seem to seem to find each other in, in the best of times and the worst of times. Um, Nevin, Nevin was an engineer um, and is now in the fitness industry and he runs um, the French version of the Menno Hanselman PT course. Um, so he teaches a whole bunch of, of students yearly, um, obviously in the, the personal training side in, in France and in Europe. Um, he's an online coach to physique and strength athletes has competed himself um and he just you know he, he's very science-based from that side and he's a really good good ear for me to kind of bounce things off if and when need be um he tends to get very random phone calls from me at all sorts of hours or of me coming up with new ideas and new things that i'm trying to test and he, he seems to be my my um my what's the right word my my scientific reasoning if and when I need be and telling me when I'm being completely stupid. Um so you know, I got to sit down with him and I've kind of wanted to get him on since since I started everything and we had a we had a, a good chat about a whole bunch of different things. Um it kind of goes we, we start off with a little bit more <clears throat> along the lines of like training volume. Um from training volume we we kind of go into um all ethics around money um how to quit well how to quit your job so we kind of go into nevin's background of like what he did um my sole purpose in life and uh simple solutions to happiness and apparently how badly i really want to have kids so that's it it's a it's a whole range of of an episode um i really hope you you can you know get involved enjoy the listen i had a really good laugh which was nice and um yeah kick back listen subscribe share Tag both of us and enjoy. Who'd be golden? I mustn't speak too loud. <coughs> so you were saying about Walmart? What Walmart? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this insane uh, story about uh, a guy who got super pissed because basically he started receiving uh, advertising to his home through the mailbox about uh, uh, pregnancy uh, uh, products related to pregnancy. Just bring your microphone a little bit closer. Just a bit closer, like that. That's better. So he started getting pregnancy, like adverts and shit. Yes, and it, I think he was a single dad living with his daughter. So he got like, why are you sending me that? Like, my, like why are you like pushing my daughter to get pregnant or something like that? So he was like getting that. like, so like he coupons and shit from Walmart. He, he actually sent a, a mail or something like that to Walmart, getting pissed about it. And then they told him like, well, we're sorry, but based on the data, like your daughter, like or someone in your household <laughs> might be pregnant, and then actually he learned that his daughter was pregnant. What? Yeah, because based on on all the the data, and they cross check everything based on on how households uh, change their buying habits, and then they can target you better with advertising and sending you coupons on things that you're potentially gonna buy. And it's it's mind blowing. So based on what you were saying just before, <laughs> 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 
the, the more data you have on people, the, the more you can target people with advertising. This is what Facebook does. And this is what we use through Facebook. You know, like when we when we set up, it's called audience setup. So basically you send, so through our, our work on, on internet, we've uh, had a lot of uh, uh, captation from emails, data from people who have been buying from us. Yep. I'm still blown away by pregnancy. Yep. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> and basically, we give this to people, and and uh, I mean, we give this to to Facebook, and then based on that, they better target uh, the potential audience that are going to be interested by your products. So and they show them the advertising. You guys with your course. That's what you're yeah. referring to. Yeah. Yeah. So just usually we do it around six to eight weeks before we start the course, and we have different kind of ad advertising videos about what the course is about and try to target people who who might be interested by the course so i don't feel bad about doing this because i know that our course is added value to the person who's going to purchase it but you have to think that some people you know you know all these some things people can get offended about the fact that like oh this, why is this suddenly coming up yeah and the problem is a lot of people are adv advertising shit you know with all these like drop shipping and yeah. stuff like that. i have to show you this email i received an email from i received emails like this all the time about a guy who wants me to advertise for for his product yeah and it's it's like a uh like a glued something i don't know and I, I look at the product and the product is something you put between your legs and you squeeze your legs together i'm like please can we <laughs> you know what we must do we must set up a podcast and i try and phone him <coughs> and get him to to <laughs> like go through with us how this machine or apparatus works. It sounds like the what the the shake weight for your glutes. So it's is squeeze. that is that is like so <coughs> your muscle for your glutes that insert there and there. And h how does that like activate your glutes exactly? You know, like how does it work? <laughs> oh fuck! That. Shows you that people who are sending this stuff don't even know. What you know what the sending. worst thing is though? People will buy it. Oh yeah, it it will sell. It'll start, you put enough money behind it and you just you get some pretty girls and you know some jack guys with some glutes you put them in a sauna and like with a, a waist trainer and then you put like oh look i lost two centimeters on my waist you know it's <coughs> and i have so much target like that i don't know why they think i'm so naive i had this like hula hoop system so it's basically it's it's not you know the hula hoop with the with the kind of big ring that we had when we were kids. Now they do something like it's a belt that you put it around and then you have a weight at the end of a, a string and you go like that and it says like, oh yeah, I've lost six centimeters in 10 days or something. And I just like, oh my God. <laughs> For making yourself into like a gyroscope. It's basically exactly. what you, you, you've become a human gyroscope. So it must be for someone who <laughs> literally doesn't sit out of the couch, you know? Fuck. And it's just like, yeah, if you're standing up five minutes a day doing that you might be in a calorie deficit i don't know <laughs> oh man i'd love to look at after this we'll have a look at your emails that's mm. hilarious that's the best yeah so is that is that probably your worst one that you received what's the worst one worst email i've received yeah i, I think it's i mean for people like us who kind of work in this area it's it's a bit offending right it's, it's a, a bit it's like it's a little bit of a slap in the face but then yeah we have all the i received the the emails about elastic training bands and you know they can have a place 
Yeah, yeah no. they, can, they can have a place to a certain extent. I have the back stretches, the people ask, you know, like this kind of thing like where you you lie on and it's going to like solve <coughs> all your all your <coughs> back problems. Like an inversion table. Yeah, kind of. You do that five, like five, five minutes a day. Yeah. No, it's more like a kind of like a, a piece of plastic where you're actually going to like, I don't know, maybe extend each one of your <laughs> vertebrae or something like that. So you can <laughs> land them and just reshape your exactly, spine. Exactly, exactly. Perfect. And do a bit of movements like that. No, but like, yeah, yeah. Life and of a of small time influencers. I, <laughs> I feel like that's a French thing. I've never. Well, I'm not an influencer. This is golden. I'm happy. I don't have to ever go through that. Th- those those atrocities. It, it's it's just rampant. But I think people who are working a lot with companies have must have so much demand. Because my friend Antoine has so much stuff, and he's he's not doing it because the problem is like once you start doing it you start saying oh that's not a great product but it's good money behind then you kind so of like lose your well ethic that's what i was gonna that was the question i was gonna ask like so when is it right when do you sell yourself at what 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 percentage is it a is it a number is it a possibility for something to fix someone what what's where do you sell your soul for me it's too important because as i I've built this trust with the people that follow me, the people who buy my products, my my courses. It, it's too important for me to to break that over over an amount of money. For for me, it's it's not something I'm willing to to sell. But then again, if someone tells you like, yeah, like present this this uh, this uh, glute uh, squeeze thing, and I give you fifty million dollars, you're like. Mm. <laughs> that's a good amount of money so just one advertising and then I can literally do whatever I want and sell my courses basically for free and just help for free because I will never need the money well, well there, the rest of my life I don't the, know, you there's know. the question it's like so if you could sell one of these products and make well, the, the endless amount of money that you need for the rest of your life would you then do everything else for free if I get 50 million dollars for sure more than half so of shake wake dude between the legs said 50 50 million dollars to to endorse this product yeah but see how much good i could do in the world with the rest of that money right because i don't need that money yeah you don't need the money but it's like you also how many people could you be hurting with the product with someone squeezing their legs on a piece of plastic uh, i don't know it's a hard question huh? oh it's a hard question it's like hard i question. i, I, I I don't know either I'd probably take the money and then sell the courses like that's yeah. that would be kind of what I did but at the same time it's like you sold yourself that's out that's kind of what you did so you <laughs> sold yourself <laughs> that's kind of what I did oh. so what uh, was the product I don't James? know I haven't sold myself <laughs> or anything now I think about it what else have I done I mean I've done stupid shit no I've, I've, I think in, until now I've, I've never like kind of uh, done anything that was against what I was standing for or I've, I've said some mis- some some shit you know like if if you we had this conversation right when you look at what you used to or how you used to coach five six years ago you're kind of like it wasn't bad but this stuff that you were doing that you could have done so much better and you it takes you time to realize that because but i think that's that's part of the process don't you think like that's what that's what being a good coach is. It's evolving. It's yeah. like not being stuck in five years ago, methodology, yeah. systems, whatever you want to call it. It's like you've looked at the research, you've evolved with it and 
taking researchers in terms of like the actual evidence and like applying it to that of your clients and and obviously you working within the core space so like you guys get to see but of both sides and you can apply the research and kind of the you know in the trenches experiences and you've you've been able to impact you know what 300 odd people per semester or 300 per intake it's like yeah we, we at least know there's possibility of 300 odd plus trainers actually getting the correct information or, or as correct as we know currently because things could change um that was weird um but yeah that's that's you know like you guys are doing the right thing from that side i guess yeah yeah definitely but uh, i think as you say the research always gives you a direction but then with experience you learn to individualize for each person and you see that even if you know like protein requirements are kind of like a small spectrum for yeah. most people but then volume frequency these are subjects that are constantly changing yeah and especially like from one person to other how much stress this person is under is gonna you know impact her recovery so then her recovery is gonna have to like you have to have to take this into account in your programming and stuff like that and it's true that with less experience you're like oh yeah but like research says that so you can just apply and and have good results and but you're still gonna have these like 20 percent of other people who are going to be outside of this scope and who are not going to do well at all or so are gonna injure themselves yeah, completely. stuff like that so yeah, yeah the, the more you coach and the more you're able to see these kind of people it's about being evidence-informed so yeah. it's not evidence-based because evidence-based i don't think i'd, I'd talk about fuck it would take me a, a million years to write a training program one and two i'd probably have no results you know, it's a, a evidence-based, I think, works when you get, like, someone with a fresh slate. Have you had any time, like, uh, someone who's actually really good at high intensity and minimal vo volume? What do you mean high intensity and minimal volume? Define like, that. What do you mean? Like, like, yeah. um, like I have, I, I had, still, still working with him, but powerlifter, and he literally thrives on one one like movements one movement per week for like for example uh, he's going to bench only once per week high intensity super low volume so maybe he's going to do like 15 reps total on yeah. his workout yeah and he's going to progress so much more like that so it's like five triples for example that for example or for example <coughs> or even like three times five or something like that which yeah. is at his level yeah like you know he's bench he's like in the uh, 90 kilo class and he's benching uh, 170 kilos so He's, he's not he's not terrible yeah not terrible <laughs> i mean so here's the thing and this is i had a conversation with um sam he was on the podcast oh, yeah. he's a, a powerlifting coach in Adelaide, and um so we were having a, a kind of a go back and forth around like tracking volume and, and intensity and that and we kind of got lost in conversation a little bit but basically it's a, it's about like what what rep range or something can we make adaptions on? And like he was, he was explaining to me, he's like, you know, I'd have someone do 10 sets of three instead of three sets of 10. And I was like, I understand that. Like I, I fully agree. But at the same time, it's like, there's a completely different stimulus that occurs from 10 rep stimulus versus three rep stimulus. It's like, I don't, and what I was trying to get across when we were talking about it's like, I don't think a beginner should be, for example, doing like 10 sets of three. But like you, you have to take into account the proximity to failure. So right? I think, yes. And I think that's where the difference is. 
proximity to failure works, but at the same time, I don't think it works for powerlifting. No, but what I mean is like three s- three sets of ten. Yeah, it's the same volume as ten set of three. Like, well, it's it's the same reps. Yeah, exactly. If you take the same weight, but obviously, when you're gonna do ten times three, it's gonna be a higher intensity, intensity percentage of your one RM. And this is where this is where my head was going. It's like, how can we, how can you equate ten sets of three to ten to three sets of ten? Like, I I can't see that happening. In my opinion, but <clears throat> I could understand like what he was saying and like where he was getting, and he's like, I, you know, they've got to get used to the like they've got to get to under the positions, they've got to get used to it, and and like we were kind of going back and forth around, and it's like I don't see that as volume necessarily. Like yeah, I can't. Uh, he he's he, you have to take his uh, perspective into account. He's as you say a strength coach, yeah. So he's focused on strength. Well, that's and I think that's and y- yeah, I 100%. think the best way to get strong is to handle high intensity, so high percentage of your one RM. That yep. In research, you see that nothing beats that. Yep. You know, like no one gets strong with like only keeping in the realms of 10 to 15 reps. And that's sometimes so- something I see, like strong, strong. Yep. You know, like strong is like, wh- when I mean strong is like able to perform well on a platform for powerlifting, yep. right? So Of course, you take a bodybuilder, He's going to be super strong on a 10RM, 8RM, 6RM. He's just neurologically not going to be there for like the doubles or the singles. Yeah. And what you see actually is a lot of powerlifters, bodybuilders never go to these like low reps because the risk. uh, The risk reward ratio is just not not worth it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Why would he do that when he's potentially going to hurt himself and it's not. And this is where my thinking went in terms of what I was talking about. It's like, especially with a beginner or a newbie. Why would I want to risk them going to 90%, 85% of their max? No need. No need, but at the same time, I could understand. It's like if that's if it's a beginner and they are trying to develop the art of strength or the, the pursuit of strength, it's like they're going to have to get there. So it's like when do you play in reps and when do you play in sets for a beginner? Mm. It, it's That's the question. I think you know. there's so many ways to skin the cat and I'll bring this back to me. It's like... A lot of my powerlifting, my preps and all that, and listen, I'm probably not the best person to say after what's happened to me, but a lot of my powerlifting cycles, like before, I don't know, before four weeks out type scenario, maybe six weeks out, it's like I stayed in 60% RIM, like or 60% of, of max and around maybe six to eight reps. That's what I was working with. It's like I never went over 60 kilo, 60% of my one rep max. For until like four weeks out and then we just I got under the bar and I, I got used to weight and I got did like doubles and singles six weeks out only. about six weeks out mm-hmm. so it's like I built a base and the way that I, it was taught to me and I've kind of looked at it going forward from there and maybe I don't know I, I could be wrong but it's like if you if you were building a pyramid the bigger the base of the pyramid the higher the pyramid can go mm-hmm. it's like a building it's like if your foundation is wider you can in theory or and you're, you'll appreciate this coming from your background it's like if we've got a base that's I don't know a thousand meters wide it's like how high can we go up versus a base that is a hundred meters wide I completely agree and that's also where powerlifters forget that you also need high con- con- muscle uh, growth yeah you know, muscle group hypertrophy cycles and I think that's where like off off peak or off um, off season cycles of hypertrophy yeah, are and great if you're only focusing on strength maybe you're gonna 
miss something out. But coming back to powerlifters, uh, to bodybuilders, like something that could be a, a, a good idea for for bodybuilders who still want to be strong without taking too much risk is a, uh, you know, a uh, post activation potentiation, because that way they could like work at high intensities, like just a bit, you know, like maybe one set and then actually like benefit from potentially having more volume and progressing something like that. It's not something, something I've worked on. Uh, it's nothing I've, I've never implemented myself, but it's like, do you not think that's something, uh, okay, it's not, it's different, but it's like a pre-exhaust method. Similar, but different. It's like, it's going to hit the same type of, I want to say the same pathways from that side. It's like, you can hammer him on a pre-exhaust method, method of like leg, leg extensions. Stress. Yeah. Like, so let's go leg extensions into squats, for example. It's like, we know that we're going to bring down his risk on squats possibly there's going to be a technique failure or something along those lines. So yeah. maybe that's not the right example. Maybe it's leg extensions into hack squat, for example. Yeah, but the difference there is like if you exhaust your quads before going into a hack squat, the limiting factor will, well, in the hack squat, usually it's squats, but even there, you're actually going to reduce the overall volume, right? <coughs> Define volume. What do you mean? Well, his his total work output is going to be reduced because he's not going to be able to. But that's the because he's not as fresh. But that's the the point of pre-exhaust method. Wait, yeah, but if you want to like uh, build as much muscle as you can, or have the biggest stimulus as you can, <coughs> you don't want to have like your leg extensions like limiting you just before. Uh, is that not the point of pre-exhaust method? to do exactly that I don't buy in pre-exhaust methods <laughs> anyway <laughs> okay so tell me why <laughs> because of that for that exact reason yeah every time I see like uh, people doing like oh yeah I'm doing leg extensions before doing a heavy compound I'm like why and it's like oh I feel I feel the contractions better and everything and I'm like yeah but feeling better is not more tension on the muscle you know fair enough so it's but then you have like, people who are getting older you know, like, I, I saw a video from John Meadows that I really like. He's a really good guy. Who was saying, like, I prefer to do uh, some cable extensions on my triceps before I hit chest. Because I know it's going to, like, prepare my elbows. going <laughs> to kind of, like, lubricate my elbows before I go in big compound. And it's like going to limit the amount of weight I can push because my triceps are already tired, you know. And in that sense, I'm like, well, yeah, if it works better for him and he... It's also John Meadows. But I'm never going to argue with him. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever he wants to do, he but can do. But if you have someone who's like uh, fresh, no injuries and everything, and, and he can go directly on a pushing movement or like a hack squat or something like that, I, w I don't think in terms of uh Well, I'll counter that. It's like you could probably use it for rehabilitation. Yeah. So like pre-exhaust pre method for rehabilitation would be in there. In that sense, yeah. Or... Or lim like if if someone's really strong, limit like, and he still wants to squat, for example, like some bodybuilders. Yeah. Then yeah, maybe you want to limit kind of the overall load they load they can push by putting something in front, which is low risk because like uh, leg extension is pretty low risk. It's not no risk, but it's low, low risk. Low risk, yeah. A and then like a riskier. Should bodybuilders do squats? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> An hour conversation. I don't know. Here's the next. Here's the next. The f sixty minutes of time. It's like, I don't know. No. For <laughs> like, what's what's the goal? Like, if they it, 
risk to reward is exactly R- risk to reward is like but in in saying it's like have you seen nick he's done pre-scripted with nick um man i forget his surname no i'll show you him he's a huge he's a big boy where is he uh, he's over in the States right now I think he's at the Revive Gym or something like that I think I see I want to say Nick Shaw but I feel like that might be wrong I think I think I see we need a fact check and he squats right bro <laughs> <laughs> he squats he doesn't, heavy he doesn't just like squat he's like um, uh, uh, sorry Nick pick, Loff pick some weight and put them down Jay, he's like bro, he is he's a unit he's just moved over to hack squats now he's doing like a yeah I know this is. This was him. Oh like yeah, ba- yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a big yeah. boy. Um, I mean, he squats, and I think. But the, the difference is, and I remember reading a post from him. It's like he he pushed a strength phase, and I think this is where bodybuilders should squat or understand the output of squatting. It's like he pushed his strength phase for the purpose of being able to then go into a hypertrophy phase or an accumulation phase, and understand it's like now I can work at fifty percent. For so much longer and so much heavier. But that was actually my point of telling you that sometimes bodybuilders should actually try to get stronger so then they can work at lower intensity rather than YNRM and be in a better place. That was exactly what I was saying. Well, here's the thing. It's like I know from personal experience with that. So it's like I never did any hypertrophy work ever throughout my career. Like when I say any hypertrophy work, like any direct stuff, I... You know, like I did a bit of arms. Like we used to get like chase the pump a little bit, like titties and arms if you really wanted to. And everything else was geared around powerlifting. So it was squat, bench, dead, and that's it. Might have been a bit old school from that side, but if you, you, that's just how it was. Came over to Australia, started working at a gym where we were more systems-based, if you wanted to call it that. Um, and like, you know, I went through stuff like an accumulation phase and intensification and like like structured from that, that manner, blo- like yeah. block programming, but more hypertrophy body composition experience i blew up like a like second to none because i i was able to handle weights that i shouldn't have been like that other people weren't being able to handle in the gym for example for 10 reps i was doing like um we were doing like a heavy light method so heavy lights like four to six reps of a movement so like a like a bench press and then you would go into 12 to 15 reps of something direct to the muscle group that you're working. So like a bench press and like a cable fly. So it's like I was doing four to six reps on that at like 100 kilos and then being able to pump out 12 to 15 where everyone else, like it would be dramatically less because obviously the, the tap off or the drop off would occur. It's like an I blew up dramatically. And I was like, well, there's something to this. It's like, And that's why I think a lot of people... <laughs> just need to get fucking strong you get strong and then go into hypertrophy and this is maybe tying into what we're talking about it's like you've got to go through different phases different blocks it's like have an off season the off season i took after being on a barbell for however many years it's like i took an off season i went on to state machines and dumbbells it's like my joints feel like i lost like 20 years i don't feel like a cripple like i walk around i feel good like my joints felt good I, like i got off a barbell i got off a fixed plane or a pronated grip all the time like I, I was able to integrate some form of function around my joints it's like i felt amazing so it's like why wouldn't you program like that yeah why aren't we it's like oh that's how i program but it's like that's essentially you know i th- i think we all go through this phase before understanding that <clears throat> you also want to feel good outside of the gym right 
Like, well, d- there was a period mm, where depends on how serious what you're trying to do. There was really a period of my life where, well, I can say that because you will understand. I don't know if people listening to this will understand, but I was only in muscle action, you know? Yeah. And so basically, like, like, yeah. Just trying to drive pure tension across muscle fibers, insertion exactly. to origin, like the whole time. Like, that's because it. That's what's going to build up muscle, right? Yeah, that that would be the the most what's the advantageous way for us to build muscle. It's like create as much tension across the muscle fiber as possible. Whether that means you can't bend down and tie your shoelace, like that doesn't matter because I'm trying to build muscle. Yeah, and I got to a place where I was yeah unsatisfied outside of the gym because I didn't feel as healthy. I I felt like, you know, oh no, I'm not gonna play volleyball with my friends because like. I might hurt myself or something like that, which yeah. is a bit ridiculous, right? No, but I, think, <laughs> I think we've all gone to it. I went to that, like I was playing, I just got out of school and I was playing like Premier League hockey at that stage. And I remember at one stage, I was just like, I can't play hockey anymore. It's like, I keep doing my hamstring. Yeah. It's like, I've been, I'm pushing so much for like dysfunctional in terms of what my sport was, which was like a linear movement. It's like just one plane squat bench deadlift. It's like, go and tell me to run. I was like, I'm getting injured. So I'm yeah. going to stop running. Because I really love trying to get strong. Exactly. And also, you're, you're in an environment with other people like you, and they tell you, like, why, why do you want to play hockey? Like, fuck that. You're too big. Like, you know, like, well, forget about that. That's exactly it. And I think that's, like, looking back at it now, I'm like, we always say this. is like, if I knew now, what <laughs> I knew, if I knew back then what I knew now, it's like, I, I would change everything. I could actually maybe be at a higher level of athleticism, if you want to call it that. But it's just, I could prevent so much. But I think that's the point. It's like, we've learned that. So that's yeah. why, like, we have a conversation all the time. It's like, I'm conservative with what I do with my clients. Yeah. And it's like, why would you, why are you so conservative around that? It's like, because I've been to the other side. Like, I know how shit it is sitting in a hospital bed. Like, oh no, I can't get out. Nurse, I need a pee. Oh my God. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, or bring the, the fucking cardboard shoe so that I can try and get my, like, dick in and try and have it, like, yeah. That's the whole point. It's like that's the end. And peeing is the list of your worries. Huh? Oh, it's exactly. When you have to clean yourself and stuff like that. Oh, oh exactly. God, it's yeah. like that. That was the. That's the ho- the end of the spectrum. So it's like when my my guys are like, oh, it felt really good. It's like, can I go up another ten kilos? It's like, no. <laughs> it's like stick to the plan. Like I, as much as that. Like yeah. there's times when I'll tell my girls and I like especially my girls. I've got stubborn girls. I'll be honest. It's funny in a good because way. we had this conversation the other day because you have really like I have, I have ego-driven girls a bit. Yeah, right? I have. I have um, maybe ego-driven is not the right word. I, I have real. Like I have girls who like I take my hat off to them. Like I had one of my girls go through a really good week this week. We're having a chat. Like in our, I'll check in today. It's like she just she just put the hammer down this week. It's like and. It was in a phase in our programming where I could say, put the hammer down. And I think that's the difference. It's like, it's taken a while for us to kind of understand and get to that point of like, okay, when I say put the hammer down, she puts the hammer down. It's like, when I say, let's just kind of like wear the brakes or pump the brakes and like just pull back on the reins. It's like, because there's a time coming. It's like, it took her a while to kind of play around in that. And and this week she put the hammer down. Like she started kind of a new phase, like what I wanted. And she went out and she fucking nailed it. And like, that's the point. It's like, because of the experience that I've gone through and because of all the shit that I've gone through and lived through, it's like, if I say to you, like, okay, the next four weeks, like, you got to go. It's like, now we really have to put the hammer down. It's like, I've, you know, I've built you up for this as best as I can. It's like, we've mitigated all injuries. Like, we're trying our best from that side. It's like, now we go. 
It's like, why wouldn't you listen to me from that side? Why wouldn't I listen to you? It's like, if you've been through the injury process, you've been through the side of, of like hell. It's like, when that happens, it's like, if you say to me, it's like, okay, now it's time to go. It's like, oh no, now's the time to put the brakes on because I can see the lights. I can see the, 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 the red light flashing on the engine board. It's like, I think it's something that comes with time. You know, when you work with a coach and you understand he, that he has your best interest at heart. And some people are always thinking like, yeah, but he's just different and he had this issue, but he doesn't understand that I'm not going to have these problems because like I know myself better or something like that. Yeah, but I mean, I had that. I was the same. Yeah, that, of I guess. course. I'd, I'd, and I, no, I, didn't, I didn't have coaches or anything. I had my parents. My mom was up my arse yeah but your mum is always gonna want you to like I love your mum probably watch this <laughs> she watched the last like, couple she's giving she gives me tips it's great it's, it's fantastic your mum's always gonna want you to take a step back and relax a bit you know I'm but sure she's saying you're working too hard you're not sleeping enough <laughs> stuff like that just had flashbacks on a conversation I had with my mum yesterday <laughs> sounding me about stuff but anyway. my mum says to that to me every single time you know but at the same time she's she's proud of uh, you know what, what was, we achieve and was that a difficult conversation with the change in careers? Oh yeah, definitely. Joe, I mean, give us a bit of backstory around that. Obviously, you 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 weren't always in the fitness industry. You yes. were you were a, a nine to fiver, not really a nine to fiver. You're working eighty hour weeks or whatever it was, but you yeah. were a nine to fiver. Yeah, it's funny because nine to five that would have been a nice schedule. <laughs> Such a dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, w I was uh, an engineer, so for nine years automotive then aeronautics and then like consumer products like drones just for one year and a half i kind of changed industries because i thought that i wasn't happy because of the industry so i was so you, trying sta to you stayed within your field but but changed product yeah essentially. basically thinking that that was going to solve the issue but at the end i understand that every time i was waking up i was like oh no not again <laughs> and yeah i was working hard so yeah i was yeah Eight, eight to eight most most days when working I was hard, traveling. miserable, just heading yeah. off and trying to fit the trainings where I could. You know, like going super late. Like of of course, my sleeping schedule was like completely fucked. Smith, yeah. It's it's the thing that takes the biggest toll, and you're like, oh, it's okay. I'm I'm optimizing the rest, so it's just gonna no, it doesn't work. But yeah, it's uh, the one thing that I I've noticed with my like myself, anyone. It's like. You know, even as as trainers, etc. Like we know that sleep is the key. Yeah, we we know it. We hundred and I. It's the first thing I neglect every single time. Of course, and I, because like, it's the hardest thing to actually achieve. You know, I think it's also it's the hardest thing. And until you know recently, it's like we could also it was the hardest thing to track. It was the hardest thing to put data to, towards. It's like how good was your sleep? Oh, you know, I feel like shit, but I got eight hours. Meanwhile, your eight hours actually wasn't eight. That was eight hours in bed. It's like you maybe slept for four. Mm. Of the four, you were in REM for 30 minutes. Like, you know, I, you know me, I'm a big data nerd from that side. It's like, whoop, aura, yeah. all of those types of things. It's like, that's why I like the data. Like, I like looking at that. It's like, I can objectively look at it and go, okay, I did this, this, and this intervention to try and get better sleep. I got seven hours of sleep while I was in bed for nine. Like, it's better than last time, for example. It's, it, those types of things. But that's funny because, like, I'm very data driven like you, but not for sleep because because I have kind of a anxious personality. If I start tracking sleep, it actually is going to influence negatively. Like I'm going to be in bed. I'm going to be like, okay, you need to 
sleep now. And I want some deep sleep tonight, Nevin. Some deep sleep, right? <laughs> or you and I wake up in the morning and I'm like, fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I'll be honest, that is one of the negative things that I've seen with like certain clients with like that I've got on Whoop, etc. It's like they, they almost get so oh, worked oh, up yeah. that they're not beating themselves in like their previous. And, and you know, I think you got to know how to coach that. You're going to know, like, if you want the data and you want to be able to put that in, it's like you you got to know ways that you can then work around that. Yeah, in if terms you have automation and they just, like, track but without tracking, you know. Exactly. If you exactly. get the information, that's, yeah. that's fine. Th- there's, there's ways around that. But, again, it's like I also I have clients who like, I just don't track their sleep because I know. It's like if I'm like, hey, how many hours of sleep did you get last night? Oh, six. But the night before, seven. So, like, I don't know what's wrong. Like, oh, um uh, something must be wrong. I'm, I'm anxious work. Stress, stress. It must be stress. I'm just like, oh my God, just calm down. <laughs> so for me, because I have this, this kind of issue, I, I, I know what time I go to sleep, what time I wake up. And I go a bit more instinctive, you know, in the yeah. sense that yeah. depending on how I wake up, I know usually like if it's been good sleep or bad sleep. I think a big problem that we have nowadays is the pollution, light mm. and noise. Yeah. A lot of people are affected by that because they're not isolated. There's so much. Like, how does these fucking Australian live? Okay, I, I'm French, and we have stuff that we put on like uh, windows that like keeps the light out. Yeah. But here, like, it's these stupid things where you the just blind, like no, no. So like as soon as you have light, you. you it's like if the street lights one lumen exactly. too high outside, it's, it, it it's, comes. It's through. done. Like it's in L- your room. Luckily enough, I must be honest. My room is is very blacked out for that exact reason. Like, it I, should. I'll, I have an eye mask. Because like it's just uh, so gorgeous, man. I'm so sexy. Like Amos, <laughs> earplugs. <laughs> what up, <laughs> dude? I just imagine someone breaking into the house one night and you sleeping <laughs> there, like nose plugs, <laughs> earplugs. Natalia just like oh, lying there, perfect. Oh, it'd just be like, oh, what if we walked into you? Gains, man. Gains over anything. <laughs> Gains over anything, hundred <laughs> percent. So sorry, you you were saying you you were working, you know, eight to eight. Yeah, sleep was a mess. Yeah, and uh, actually, I did my first uh, bodybuilding competition. It was actually fitness model on and gorgeous and men's men's physique. I got a because I didn't have. I was I have some. I I wasn't you know big enough. But anyways, like my mom uh, invited me to lunch on a Saturday, and we went to lunch, and she was like, she looked super concerned, and I was like, what's wrong? And she basically kind of phrase it differently but she asked me if i had mental health issues to like go on the stage half naked to show my muscles like my mom is really traditional and and for her sports is tennis or stuff like that and bodybuilding is just something that is completely she she can't understand it you know like she see these like narcissists. Uh, that's all, that's the only thing she sees. You know, yeah. she doesn't see the training. She's she just got the, the the typical stigma around bodybuilding from that side. It's like you're just a narcissistic asshole. Yeah. So I did boxing before that, and that was already hard for her to understand because she's like, okay, it's sport, but why do you have to hit on other people? You know, and and then I did so bodybuilding, and so so yeah. And when I kind of explained to her that I was really unhappy in my life having a good salary, having a good position in a company and telling her that I was going to just drop all that and go to, I wanted to do only coaching at the time. I didn't think did, about it. Did you like have a, li- a, a, a lined up job? Did you have a job lined up? Like oh, at no, that no, point, no. You, it was no. kind of like you were going to just quit and that was it. So uh, 
because I had this, like, I was an engineer for so long, I was able to put a lot of money aside because I wasn't, I have, you weren't I've spending never, money. No, I w- I've never been a big spender, you know, yeah. so I was just like, all right, like, I'll just prepare my, like, your, your, your my future, whatever. Your inheritance. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and, and at that point, I knew I had, like, enough money to be okay for the next two years. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to, like, stop working and, and, and go and try try basically try something else try something that i i love because i had always been passionate about nutrition and training and that's what i did and actually when you are in a situation where you don't have this comfort anymore you actually get super productive much more productive than when you're doing something that you feel that you're forced to do it's one of the biggest things i find it's like it's it's the pressure it's like as soon as i'm uncomfortable it's like then things start working it's like then it's almost like uh, well, there's that saying and whatever it is, like comfort breeds um, inactivity. <coughs> it's like, well, that's yeah. exactly that. And as soon as I get comfortable, I like I get lazy. I don't push business. I don't like, it's not that I'm not on my clients or anything. It's just, it's just not the same level. As soon as like something uncomfortable happens, it's like you go, it's, it, but um, it's, 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 a, it's a constant fight, right? Because uh, we're like kind of engineered to get in a comfortable place and to survive in that in that yeah. place. Your brain is not going to be like, oh, you're so comfortable. Why don't you go like in the jungle and fight no. with tigers? You know, it's just like, no. So I, I read, I, I can't remember what it was. I was having a look at it, but basically it's got to do with like human beings have got this this level. It's like no matter if you're un, uh, unhappy or happy, like you get back to the same homeostasis um, yeah. within the same time period. I can't, I, for the life of me, I don't know why I was looking at it or, or who I was talking to about it's like I was. It's exactly what you told him. It's like as soon as we get uncomfortable, it's like we graft as hard as we can. Like we get the good experience, but it's the good experience takes us the same amount of time to get back, yeah. even if it was a negative experience, something along those lines. I can't, yeah, I can't remember what it's called. But yeah, like you need to be uncomfortable to to kind of push yourself, and and it's always hard to when you're a comfortable position to put yourself in an uncomfortable position because it's it's it literally goes against all your primary instincts yeah, so, so yeah. why why would you put your hand on the stove <laughs> why would you put your hand on the fire that's that's literally what you're doing yeah. it's like you know it's hot it's yeah. like why are you gonna do it well because like you have to it's the only way that you're gonna you know grow from it get better there's an analogy i really like uh which says like if you want to discover another continent you need to leave like you need to leave the shore behind you and accept that at one point you won't see anything yeah you know you'll eventually get to that one point in the ocean where you can't see behind you and you can't see in front of you. Exactly. I yeah. think that's, I know what you're talking about. And it's yeah. just like, what, like what happens that's, then? That's where I was for a few months, you know? And so what happened? What, 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 what was the journey? So I, I just like, I started pretty good because I had kind of an education and a structure in, in the way I was thinking and everything. I, 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 I put a structure in place. Like I was like, okay, it's not because I'm, freelancing that i'm not gonna have a structure in my life so i was just like okay i'm gonna work like this and i'm gonna do first step you know like i I literally said okay i'm gonna do my website okay i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that and finally like a lot of ideas came came around and and the idea of actually like uh, launching the 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 bayesian course in, in france and just like went on and it's no and more the more you go the more ideas you have and <coughs> The more you, I you find grow, that yeah. that's one of the biggest things though. It's like I had a period of time where, uh, so I was, um, I was fired from the company that moved me over here. 
um, for a um, discrepancy in values or a difference in values, I suppose, or whatever it was. I was just questioning shit. You were not driven by money. <laughs> no, I wasn't driven by money at all. I wasn't. I was just. I was just un- unhappy with them. Um, Which so is usually what they mean by uh, <laughs> discrepancies in values in a company, right? It's got something to do with that. Anyway, um, you know, whatever. Fuck them. Um, and there was a period of time. It's like I had. I, like I didn't know. I didn't have a gym to go to. I didn't really have any clients because. Um, I was being threatened with legal stuff that I, that I wasn't allowed to take clients because I... Oh, you would steal business from them? Yeah, essentially, and whatever. They they could they had no grounds. I took them to court. I won a whole bunch of nonsense. Nice. Um, yeah, that was that nice little dagger. In there. Um, and um, I had to create structure. It's like I would have just got depressed. I would have sat there and just, you know, done nothing with my life. So it's like I... I Woke up at 7 a.m. and I took the dog for the walk and then I went to the coffee shop and I worked on my website and I worked and like that's exactly it. I find just by creating that structure in itself, it's like that snowball started to occur. But that's where also some people fall short in the sense that it's for some people who have bad habits and who don't have uh, external structure like forced onto them. It's sometimes very hard yeah. to, to start something and... and and sometimes integrating another team or like working with other people at the start, if you want to start your own project, is sometimes a bit helpful because they're missing. It's kind the of external motivation. It's like not everyone has the ability to be like, okay, seven a.m. I'm going to get up. It's like that's why, I, that's why I have a job. That's why you have a job. It's like yeah. I- if everyone would get up and just get motivated and go and train and like, you know, everything we know is on the internet. Every single one of my clients can learn everything that I know. Yeah. For free on it the internet. <laughs> and it takes time. They'd, they'd be able to do everything that I know and be able to implement it all. It's like, but they don't have me hounding them at 7 a.m. in the morning. It's like, hey, how was your sleep last night? How's your pain? It's like, are we training today? Like, they, like they, you know, they have that extra person or that extra set of eyes all the time. And I think, you know, that's what they pay for. Yeah. A lot of the time, that's, that's what coaching is. Well, in my opinion, it's like, that's why I hound every single one of my clients. I'm on them every single day for that exact reason. It's like you pay me to literally kick you up the ass and make sure that we're getting results. It's like that's what I'm going to do. Mm. So, and you know, we get coaches out there who don't do things like that, and that's their way of business, and that's how they do things. You know, they check in once a week, and I think it's very different because you get, you know, it's like if myself or you had a coach, it's like I wouldn't have to have the coach message me every single day. Like, you give me my workout. Why are you messaging me? <laughs> exactly. <It'd> be <laughs> Leave like, me alone. <laughs> oh. Like I'm of course just I'm going <laughs> to go to the gym. What a question. Like, what else am I going to do with my day? Like, but that's the difference. It's like you get the people who are born to just work nine to five, have the company, tell them what to do, do their work, and they'll probably do it really well. It's like, and then you have the people who are ready, like they have their schedule, they have everything up and done. It's like, and those people will make something of themselves. I think it also depends on maybe where you come from. and Or your upbringing, I think, as well. Yeah, also. I... I I I was like, uh, I mean, I I didn't grow up in a wonderful neighborhood, but I, you know, I didn't have a really bad childhood or anything. Yeah. So, so actually, that was also something which was a bit complicated when I changed because some people who are, had grown up with me, and when I told them that I was gonna resign from my job, they were like. What are you talking about? What are like, you doing? Like you, you made the, it. You have the dream position right now. Yeah. And you're going to tell me that you're going to say no to that paycheck, that comfort, for what? You know, that that's the end goal. 
and and the thing is even if that's how i saw it when i was studying and when i was trying to get to that position when i got to that position i was like yeah it's the angle for some people because maybe they think it is based on their education and upbringing because they that's the target that you so have so that's the fulfillment it's like it's you get your paycheck it's done it's like you have the the family the 9 to 5 it's there boom 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 you've you've made it but actually you i don't know if it has to do with you know saying that perfection is a moving target or, or anything because i'm sure that some people who would have been in my situation would have been very happy for their whole life no no questions asked you know but i know i was doing something that was not fulfilling on a personal level for me because i felt like i was not bringing anything to society to the world to i was just earning money for the company i was working with but if i had died one day working for the company no one would care they're not like no. put a little plaque and say like nevin barnett was working for us thanks mate you know like no i'm just going to get replaced yeah you you're expendable yeah and i felt really like I'm useless. Yeah. I'm I'm not useless, but at the same time, I'm useless. And I didn't like that. So you went out and made sure you were useful? I, I've, I've read a lot of books at the moment, like really hippie books about Buddhism and stuff like that. And, and, he's, and all these guys are always pushing that the true, um, like how to really get happy in life is through service. Yeah. And I think, I think they they must have a, a bit of like a, well, I, I, a good point on that. I put up that that post there that I actually got surprisingly a lot more reactions from it than I thought I would. It's a, a um, what was it um, and and uh, flip. It was basically a something a male. A male uh, wants to be served, where a man wants to be of service. Oh yeah, it's like and I remember and like I got. I put it up. I read it somewhere or whatever it was I was going through, whatever I was going through. And I put it up and I was like, the amount of people that sent me replies to that, geez, I was, was taken away. It's like, but that's how I think. It's like, I'm here to be of service. I'm going to make sure that I, I'm trying my best to not lose myself because I think that's a key thing. And maybe that's like what you're learning in these books as well. It's like, you also have to be true to yourself, but it's like to be true to yourself is to be of service in my opinion. I think the message is also like people are so focused on themselves because they feel that they're not in a place where they can be of service. You know, like you speak a lot with people saying like, yes, like as soon as I'll be rich in a good place, then I'll start helping people or then I'll start giving money or, or whatever. And I think what people don't understand is like you don't need to be in a certain place to start s with service. It can be anything, you know, but it's people really don't understand how rewarding it is on a personal so service is not money based yeah exactly and a as soon as you bring something to someone and the reward the, the gratefulness that you get from that person is really something that is hard to describe in words on how fulfilling it is as yeah. a human being because 100%. you really go to bed at night being like i really did something for someone like yeah. i changed something in someone's life and it can be as as small as smiling at someone yeah but it, it literally can, it yeah. can be you know that you know it sounds a bit cliche from that side but it, it, it does get down to that perspective and it's so much rewarding than <coughs> than actually like man money yeah often but even it's it 
it, it's portrait in society. Like I get this advertising at the moment all the time again about people being like, oh yeah, my client did so much money in a day and everything. And you're like, yeah, cool. But like everything is just towards money, money, money. And I do understand that money is necessary for comfort and everything, but just being driven by money, which I was definitely when I was 20 years old, like you would ask me, I would say like, I don't give a fuck about the rest. The most important is for me is to make money yeah. because I came also from a place where I wasn't having enough money to, to, to be happy. I thought, yeah. you know, but when you kind of understand that, yeah, th there's actually studies super interesting that shows kind of, uh, uh, how happy people are based on their revenue, per household and everything. And it has diminishing, diminishing returns. returns yeah. It's like at, something like uh, 75,000 uh, Australian dollars or something like that. It's just like above, it's just like the but happiness chart doesn't yeah. go up so much. It's not the happiness. I was um, saying to my accountant actually this week and um, he was talking about it uh, in a household. It's like a hundred. So fancy. Yeah, so fancy. My accountant. I have to do this. Oh man, moving moving countries, trying to move money, trying to not be dodgy. This this new thing that I was telling you about, I'll go into that now. Crypto. <laughs> Crypto, <laughs> hashtag, it's the way to go. Um, and um, you were saying something about like in a household, it's like 180,000. Like that's, anything over that, like your livelihood doesn't change. There's no difference. No. And I was like, wow. It's like, I need to make 180. That's the <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> like target. No, that's, and that's, that's exactly what you're saying. It's like no amount of money can replace fulfillment, I think. It's like I, I know I need, I need income. You need income. It's like, and I'm not neglecting. I'm not saying I'm just going to sell everything and be that minimalistic life and all that. It's like I, if you want to do that, go and do that. But at the same time, it's like I know I need to make income and I'm in the business of making income because that's what I need to survive. But it's like if I make income, I can receive fulfillment with my service i think you get you need to get to the level where you're not thinking oh that's expensive or something like that you can just do whatever you want yeah. whenever you want but a ferrari will, will not make you happy unless you're like completely obsessed with cars no but you know like i it, think it, it's not the ferrari the big mansion and the no. beautiful wife that is gonna no. make you happy i've always said it's like i've said it to my mom and i've said it to for some random reason, I've been the most broodiest male since like 18. I just want kids. Don't tell me why. Like I had a really good childhood. It's not Girls. like, a, <laughs> I just, I just want kids. I want a happy life and like a happy wife. And, and what I mean by that is like, you know, if I want to take my family away on holiday, I want to yeah. be able to get online, book the holiday and just go. Yeah. I want, you know, if the car tires need to be replaced, I don't want to be like, oh fuck. It's like, we, we, we got to, we got to like, slow down on the food this week or something like that like yeah. that's you know i, I don't want to be controlled by the external factors of life from that it's like i want to be able to pick up my family and go on holiday i want to be able to spoil my wife if i want to buy her flowers i want to be able to buy her flowers yeah it's like th that's it it's you know nothing over complicated from that side it's like I, it's simple produce me kids and i'll try and look after you it's <laughs> <laughs> definitely not what i mean but you know <laughs> You know, like that's oh geez, like can you just imagine done, the comment? You need I'm to done. Edit that out. <laughs> I need to edit that out. Yeah, we're an unedited podcast. Anyways, <laughs> sorry, mom. If my mom's listening, so. I just you know like I want to reproduce. I just want to reproduce. Now. <laughs> <laughs> oh geez, like that's gonna come back and bite me in the ass, one hundred percent. Um, but that's it. That's my goal. Yeah, 
So make make an impact on the world, make an impact on someone's life, and I try and hopefully I'm doing that with my clients. So I can just live a happy life. Why do you think you want kids? I don't. I, I've I've racked my brain around this so much. It's like nothing. Like I didn't have a bad childhood. I didn't have like my parents were divorced. So they they split from that side. So it's you know bad if you want to call it from that side it's like I, yeah. I, I had you know I've got I had the same thing it's yeah. it's obviously not ideal when you're a kid 100% but then when you see other people getting beaten down or could raped by their father you're like nah, mine was pretty easy it you could know? be worse <laughs> yeah, exactly. it could be worse man like that's yeah. like a, you know my mom looked after like I lived with her like she did everything that she could to provide me the future that I had my yeah. dad did the same thing like my dad looked you know my dad's gone over or bent over backwards for me on, on many occasions um, and, you know, I'm in this country because of him. Um, you know, he managed to get permanent residency, and I, I have the opportunity that I do. That's sweet at the moment, for sure. Right now, like, <laughs> exactly. You see, I've got permanent residency. I want kids. I want, like, I'm the, I'm the package. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just the package. True. You see? How's gay marriage? Here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Natalia, sorry, you have to go home. <laughs> I'm married. <laughs> Uh, no, but that's, uh, I don't know. It's a good question. It's just, I've just always, like, I did every decision after 18, after 19. It's like, to kind of have a kid. It's like, I, like, I had AV necrosis of Heather Feeman. Like, that one of the options was, you know, try and wait it out and we'll do antibiotics and we'll try and, like, do as much as we can to limit the pain or have a hip replacement. And I was like, I want quality of life. I want to be able to play with my kids. I want to be able to get down on the floor and play with my kids. And I was like, quality of life what i want so for some reason that's always been in the back of my head and recently it's been more and more like thought of it's like i've always said maybe like i want a family maybe that's the thing it's like i don't necessarily want kids i want a family Mm. whether the family means a happy wife just a partner someone that happy wife happy life happy wife happy life (laughs) my goodness Um, it's a a challenge it's a never-ending story um but that's that's all I've wanted. I've just wanted a, a, a happy family, and yeah. family maybe means no kids. For all I know, maybe not. It's like you know, if you really want to look at it, like the world population, etc., etc., etc. It's like bringing someone into this life right now might not be a good. Yeah, I was asking you the question because I, based on our conversation on on you know like what is set as goals when we are brought up and everything, it was for me it was like yeah, getting married, getting child. Uh, a dog, house, whatever, swimming pool. Yeah. And and now, because I've questioned so much of this standard, because I realized that, yeah, being happy for me was not working in a company. It was working for myself, doing what I want. And then I was kind of questioning, like, do I want kids? Because I've always wanted kids yeah. since, since I'm a kid. But do I want kids because that's... That's what society expects you to yeah, do. Yeah, or is it w- because I really want kids, you know? So it's... Uh, it's a never-ending journey yeah, trying to go through that. I, I think it's, I don't know, I, I don't think it's anything wrong from that perspective. Like, I, listen, I don't think you can do, I don't think you can be a parent and be, and do it right. I don't think you can. <coughs> I think you can do it slightly better than others. Like, oh, you know, you're going to fuck up on some I, I think you're going to fuck up. And I think having that, that, that. Because well, it's a relationship, right? Well, exactly. It's a relationship with another person, and it you is. can't be perfect in a relationship. No, because I because you well have know that. Trust yeah. me. <laughs> because you have I'm really bad at that one. Because you have two people, you, 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 it's it's not identical, and you will have like different emotions, different, uh, even different logic because of a different point of view. Yeah. So 
Yeah, definitely. It, it, you're bound to do something wrong. It's going to happen. Yeah. I think it's just, you know, the way you deal with it and the way that that, that happens. It's like, and having that thought process around, it's like, are you okay with bringing someone into the world that you know you are not going to be perfect with? If yes, go for it. True. If no, maybe you need to think about the decision. It's like, that's, it's a difficult one to literally make black and white. I'll be 100% honest. It's, it's, you know, it's not a black and white decision from that side, I don't think. I think, you know, if you want kids, then go so, for it. So when are you going to put them under the barbell? <laughs> <laughs> Can you walk? Yes. yes. There's the barbell. Interesting, <laughs> interesting perspective from that. It's like, if I, if I do have kids and, you know, if, if that's what the universe decides for me, I think the first thing that I will do is like, they will play any and every sport possible. Any and every sport. And that is something where I'm kind of an asshole because if I have kids, I want them to do gymnastics. Because for me, it's like you do gymnastics, then whatever you want to do later, you'll be good at it. Yeah, I mean, there is that correlation from that side. I, I just, I've also seen a lot of gymnastic kids that are, have, are ruined. Really? Just like their bodies like are push too much. Correct, like and like um, the flexibility side and like the, the overstretching. You know, like they, where they they literally put them in, you know, like well, you need a good coach also. Foot up on on each leg, and they yeah. like those types yeah, of jump, things. Jump on me now. <laughs> I've seen those types of things. What what I meant by like play as many sports as possible. It's like I I don't want to have the perception or or have the direct impact on my child and be like you have to play rugby, and only rugby. It's like my kid might like rugby, and then because I'm literally hounding the shit out of them to play rugby, it's like. I know teenagers, I was one. It's like, I get to 16, and it's like my dad tells me to do this. I'm like, fuck you, I'm doing something else. Yeah. So it's like, if I give them the option to go and, pl go and play every sport you want, be every shape. That's how we see sports. Sports are different shapes. Like, yeah. play in different shapes. Like, maybe you're really good at this one shape, and like, if you as the child want to go and pursue that, it's like, I'm going to back you 100%. Mm. The one thing I will say, it's like, my kid will be active, no matter what happens. Oh, yeah. You, sure. you you're not getting That's an iPad. Your you're not sitting in like you're not. I've I've had this discuss had this discussion with my ex partner. It's like my child is not getting an iPad. It won't be the distraction while we're busy. It's like I think oh, yeah. I don't like you know I say this now and you know if there's any parents who listen to this or whatever it's like don't try and lynch me. But it's like I just I just see that outlet of like an iPad or something being a distraction. I, I saw it when I looked after one of our friend's kids. It's like we went to the arcade. It's like I. Man, I had the best time at the arcade. I was playing all the shooting games. I was just, I was in heaven. She was, whatever she is, four or five, whatever pop is. And every machine we went to, she tried to swipe. So it's like, the, oh, the, wow, yeah. The, it was the most, like, I just looked at it and I was like, oh my good, like, where does this come from? She literally, every machine there was, if there was a, even the start button on the machine, everything was swipe. She wanted to want, everything had to be swipe. And I sat there and I was like, that's because of the iPad. It's like, yeah. Is that how it's my kids to be brought up? Right? It's instinctive for them. It's the same. It's like I've seen her navigate an iPad. She's just better than I do. Yeah. I'm not great with technology. I, I'm surprised this shit works. <laughs> I'll be honest. Like I, I've somehow managed to do this. But it's like I, she navigates through an iPad and I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I watch her do it. It's yeah. like I, I, I'm frightened for when my kid arrives. What bothers or, me with like uh, new technology and, and current uh, <clears throat> you know how how parents kill time and everything is the lack of uh, imagination requirements for kids that's the most bothering for me is 
because I remember when I was a kid, the fact that you invent stories, that you play, that you learn to be alone. Yeah. And you learn to not be scared of spending time where you just like with yourself you're playing with your dolls your, your imaginary friends you're yeah. drawing on the wall outside it's yeah, like he's still here no, i'm joking <laughs> <laughs> he sits here and he follows me around actually i had an imaginary friend his name was frankie really 100 percent. i had him until i can't remember what age he was it's like i drew him i had a picture of him he was purple he oh looked wow. like green spots you do really have issues dude i'm not yeah 100 percent. i've got <laughs> you have the couch actually, got the couch. i'll just <laughs> do you want to give me the strength for that yeah his name was frankie and like i remember frankie was always around with like especially know like we've said like going through a divorce for him it's like frankie was around when like shit got kind of rough those types of things maybe that was my coping mechanism and that's you know I, i'm I'm semi-okay now i've got a few you know screws loose but that's right i feel like that's one of the things because i realize how it imp- impacts me you know like if i'm waiting at the grocery stores this grocery store i'm going to take my phone out for sure because i'm going like no i'm not going to waste time but imagine as a kid when you're not realizing that and every time you're not doing something, you need a phone, you need an iPad, you, you need, need external stimulus to keep exactly. your brain going. It's, it's frightening, frightening because that means you're never going to introspect, you're never going to like uh, ask yourself questions and then people are like, oh yeah, meditation is amazing and everything is like, yeah, because meditation, you're just staying with yourself, with your thoughts, good or bad and yeah. you deal with them. Yeah. You know, you, right? You're being alone with yourself. It's like, yeah. a, I heard it, Jordan's spoken about it a few times. It's like be with your, uh, be alone with yourself for thirty minutes. Yeah. It's like, can you do that? Yeah. Like and people are like, yeah, thirty minutes, easy. And then you give them like five minutes, and they're like freaking out of anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> That's, it's it's sad. It's actually sad that as society, it's like we can't do that. It's like I don't see like I, I in saying that I have seen there's a little park around like where I stay, and I see kids playing in the park all the time. It's like and then without something strange and creepy it's like it makes my heart like happy yeah yeah i'm not <laughs> with the long coat <laughs> with the long coat binoculars <laughs> just you know taking photos and uh, that's why i got the camera you know yeah um, <laughs> with the Jeez. time 100 zoom <laughs> we are gonna have to edit this podcast <laughs> <laughs> but like i see them playing and i'm like that's the greatest thing that i've seen yeah and I'm, uh, I'm once again i'm lucky enough that we're in an environment that we can it's like in south Africa. i didn't remember when you were a like Playing with other kids. Wasn't that the best time ever? 100%. Like playing football, like playing games, like we'd do all sorts of like Climbing stuff. Climbing trees, like running around. Dude, I was Tag I was, or stuff like that. Exactly. Which for us, you say like play tag, we're like, bro, like I'm not going to play tag, you know. But when you're a kid, it's so exciting. It's the best. It's, it's like. It's, it's running around. You can't touch people these days. That's probably why it's non-existent. It's like if you run around and you touch them, it's, it's an yeah. assault. Fuck, soft society. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> dodgeball, oh my god, I was obsessed. I broke some people's faces in dodgeball. Yeah, but it's fun. Hundred <laughs> percent. Did you ever have a? We had a, a game called I think it was called um, Stingers. So it's like tag with a tennis ball. You, oh, nice! You whip that at someone, and you do, and like I had an arm in school <laughs> from close range. <laughs> Man, I, so I, I I played relatively high level cricket, and like I could throw a ball like pretty hard. It's like, and that was my game. It's like, oh, Stingers. You came around there and I whipped that thing at you. I was leaving a mark 100%. I was taking you off your feet. And when I you think about it, you really satisfying. have some stupid games also when you're a kid. We had some. It's called Petit Pont Massacre in French, which is kind of like a little bridge massacre. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a football what? game because, you know, in Europe, we play a lot of soccer, football. <laughs> little right? bridge massacre. So basically, it's, 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 it's a game where you, there's one ball 
and the the objective is like uh, putting the ball in between other people's legs. Oh, we call it shibobo. Shibobo. <laughs> shibobo. The South African version. So you, you would um, so you play with the ball, and if you got the ball through their leg, you could just beat the shit out of them. Exactly. <laughs> it's called shibobo. All right, all right. So you had that also. Yep. Which is stupid, right? Yep. But so much. And then fun. you would have to run and touch like a, a like a safe exactly. spot. Exactly. That's the one. Yeah. Exactly. Shibobo. So and oh that was, man, some people hard. got beat. Oh yeah. Yep. It, I think it yeah. got banned in our school. I think really? because yeah, yeah, people were there was elbows, there was proper, there was oh, yeah. there was some things. Oh yeah, some on. some people didn't hail back the <laughs> the anger. <laughs> so if you made if someone like crossed you, like okay, so you're gonna go after him and like you're gonna get it happen, I'm gonna just wind. <laughs> Good old times, eh? It can't happen now. Nah, it's sad. We went on a tangent there. I have no idea how we got here. <laughs> this is literally every podcast, every lab, anything I do. It's like the r- tangent rabbit hole that just occurs. I think we haven't spoken about strength enough. Or maybe strength of survival from uh, Shibobo. Shibobo, yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you survived a full game of Shibobo, <laughs> at the end of in my school, it's like you were, that would set you up for life. 100%. Yeah, it was fun. It's an hour. I should call it there. It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it completely <laughs> went in like the weirdest tangents ever, but I'm happy with that. You have